You're listening to Policy Currents, a weekly podcast from the RAND Corporation. I'm Evan Banks. And I'm Deanna Lee. Every Friday, we bring you new insights from RAND's latest research and commentary. It's June 26th. Businesses have cut back on advertisements and bulk mail during the pandemic, dramatically reducing the U.S. Postal Service's primary source of revenue. The effects have been devastating for the agency, which has said it will exhaust its cash on hand by the end of September. Why exactly is the USPS in such dire financial straits? It's partly because, unlike other federal agencies, the USPS does not receive tax dollars for its operating expenses. Instead, it relies on postage and product sales and services. It's possible that Congress could step in and provide federal relief. However, some have raised questions about whether the USPS is necessary at all. What does the American public think? According to a new RAND survey, Americans place a very high level of trust in the USPS. It ranks just below the CDC, but significantly above FEMA, the CIA, and Congress. These findings are consistent with a long history of data indicating that the public holds a highly favorable view of the Postal Service. Notably, public trust is especially high in rural communities, where private couriers like FedEx and UPS may not deliver at all if it weren't for contracts with the Postal Service, and where local post offices often double as information hubs. The insights from this study, and from past RAND research, may help policymakers understand the unique role the Postal Service plays in smaller and more rural communities, especially in the age of COVID-19. With the presidential election just 130 days away, officials are scrambling to keep voters and poll workers safe during a potential second wave of COVID-19. These efforts include scouting larger polling places to enable social distancing and preparing for more absentee and mail-in ballots than ever before. But there's another risk. How to keep the election itself secure from cyber threats. According to RAND experts, cyber risks to voting systems haven't diminished despite recent security investments. In fact, the risks may be greater as U.S. adversaries try to take advantage of the fact that America will be grappling with pandemic-related logistical challenges. That's why states must continue to safeguard their IT infrastructure, including voter registration databases, electronic poll books used to check in voters, and websites publishing information about changes to voting processes. Fortunately, there are some options to help states achieve this. First, the federal government could help. States are likely to need more federal funding to bolster election security this year. The federal government could also offer other types of assistance, via the Department of Homeland Security's Cybersecurity Agency, for example, which could corral resources and manpower from the Department of Defense, the FBI, and the broader intelligence community. Second, private companies could help. Microsoft and other tech companies provided free cybersecurity services to election officials in the run-up to the 2018 midterm elections. They could renew that offer in 2020. Other private companies could also lend their support by providing software, hardware, or other equipment needed to support safe polling places, efficient and secure remote voting options, and the public education campaigns needed to tell citizens about their voting options. And finally, the American people have an important role to play. 
figure out your voting options early and check back for changes. And make a plan for how you're going to vote. The integrity of U.S. elections might depend on it. Later this summer, we'll have a series of research reports on what can be done to help secure safe elections in the fall. Stay tuned. Mortality related to pregnancy and childbirth is a serious global health issue. And in Nigeria, Africa's most populous country, the problem is acute. Nigeria is the second largest contributor to maternal deaths worldwide and one of five countries that, together, account for more than half of global newborn deaths. Many of these deaths are preventable. This has led to an emphasis on promoting the use of formal health care services for pregnant women and infants early in life and, in particular, during childbirth. A recent RAND study examined this approach as a potential solution. Specifically, our researchers evaluated a program that provided payment to pregnant women in Nigeria for using prenatal, delivery, and postnatal health services. The program increased the expectant mother's use of these health care services. This translated to a large reduction in child deaths, higher quality of care during childbirth, and an improvement in mother's overall satisfaction with care. Scaling up this program in Nigeria could reduce stillbirths by 85,000 each year. And because Nigeria accounts for so many of the world's stillbirths, this would reduce the global number of stillbirths by 3%. People are increasingly turning to social media as a primary source of news. At the same time, both humans and bots are distorting the information shared over platforms like Facebook and Twitter. The aim of many bad actors behind these efforts is to erode trust in democracy and incite extremism. A new RAND report on this subject confirms that online communities are increasingly being exposed to tactics like junk news, cyberbullying, terrorist propaganda, and campaigns to boost or smear individuals' political reputations. The authors of the report also outline an innovative method for detecting and countering these malign activities. They produced a machine learning model that harvested tweets from 1.9 million accounts and then used an algorithm to identify different online communities. Their analysis enabled them to differentiate between authentic political supporters and Russian troll accounts that were masquerading as supporters of Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump leading up to the 2016 U.S. presidential election. The creators of the model suggest a next step for testing, identifying troll accounts that are being used to influence the online debate over Brexit. Not only have the Internet and social media created new ways to spread misinformation, These technologies have also given rise to new types of harassment, abuse, and other actions that compromise victims' privacy and safety. These criminal behaviors include cyberstalking, non-consensual pornography, and doxing, the public release of private and sensitive information about a person without their consent. To learn more about how to combat this problem, Rand convened a panel of experts. The panel noted a lack of awareness about the prevalence costs, and harms of online abuse. What's more, criminal justice practitioners often lack the investigative and legal tools that they need to address these cases effectively. The panel outlines several recommendations to address these challenges. 
For starters, developing basic primary education for kids and parents about consent and the risks of sharing information online could help. Law enforcement agencies and criminal justice practitioners also need education. These professionals could benefit from training materials that explain how online abuse affects victims. And when it comes to supporting those victims, it's important for stakeholders in law enforcement and criminal justice to coordinate around the victim's wants, what they're afraid of, and their experience with law enforcement, crisis providers, and lawyers. RAND is a nonprofit institution that helps improve policy and decision making through research and analysis. For more on what we covered this week, check the show notes at rand.org/podcast. We'll be off next week for the 4th of July, but you'll find us in your feed again on July 10th. We'll see you then.